Hello, dear friend, and welcome. My name is Cynthia Alice Anderson, and I'm the owner and founder of the Experience of the Soul podcast channel. I have been so honored to be able to offer these programs several days a week, and these programs I know are inspiring, they are supporting, and they are uplifting your life's journey. I want to see that continue, and I honor you for being a part of making that happen. So for over five years, we've been able to offer these programs, and we want to continue to be able to offer them. So over the next 90 days, we are raising $9,000, and that's going to get us all the way through the end of the year. So I ask you to consider taking the time to support the channel that supports you. And again, our goal that we're asking you to be a part of is $9,000 in 90 days. And we look forward to hearing from you, friend. We're honored to support your journey. And we always are lifting you in prayer for God's highest and best in your life. Blessings on the journey, dear friend. And I look forward to seeing you very soon. Hi, friends. I appreciate all of you who are listening to Real Grief, Real Healing, the podcast. If you're finding benefit from listening to anything that I might have to say or my guests, what they are sharing, the importance of all of the aspects of how they have had grief and how they are healing, my experiences that I share, how I have had grief and and do have grief and also am healing, What I'm asking you to do is please share this on social media because right now that is how I will build more people to be listening. And and one of the reasons I want to build more people to be listening is I want to continue helping people like you. I get messages from several of you on a weekly basis. And if you like what you're hearing and you think someone else can benefit, please share on your social media channels. I would sure appreciate it. Thank you. Welcome to Real Grief, Real Healing with Mindy Corcoran here on the Experience of the Soul podcast channel, taking a deep dive into the reality of the difficulty grief brings and offering insight into the healing available to each of us. Today, episode 37, I Love You Too, Mom, and now your host, Mindy Corcoran. Hi friends, this is Mindy Corcoran. Thank you so much for joining me today. I appreciate having you here. We're dropping this podcast on August 7th, and I will have just finished my birthday celebrations. Maybe I'll still be in the middle of my week of celebrations. My birthday is August 5th. Do you know anyone who was born on your birthday I have a few people uh, scattered throughout my life that I remember being born on my birthday. And I recently just met another gentleman who was born on my birthday, and he's also a new board member of Faith Always Wins Foundation. I just find that so fascinating when you meet someone who has exactly your same birthday. Let's see, there's another woman I know, Aviva Ajmera, was born on my birthday. My mother-in-law from my first marriage, um, she was born on my birthday. There's a gentleman in California named George. He was born on my birthday. And there is a tri-delt I know coming to mind, and she was also born on my birthday. 
I'm a Tri-Delta from the University of Oklahoma, so I kind of went down that little squirrel path thinking about who was born on my birthday. I love celebrating my birthday. I've, I hope that you love celebrating your birthday. Sometimes I will tell you it's sad to celebrate my birthday since I lost my dad and son, Reet, in April of 2014. Every holiday has had significant implications of how to engage with family, how to be present myself, overcoming the anxiety of Reet and my dad not being present if, you know, they were supposed to be present for that given holiday. And my birthday is the same. So this is dropping after my birthday. I have no idea how I celebrated it because it's not here yet. I'm recording this a little bit ahead of time. But as I was pondering, what would I like to talk about around my birthday? I decided that I'm going to read the chapter. The chapter titled, I Love You Too, Mom. It's in Healing a Shattered Soul. Healing a Shattered Soul is my memoir that was published on May 3rd. And if you're listening to this, I you you probably know my story and or someone sent you here and said, you know, hey, take a listen to this woman reading about her grieving process and her family. I hope that you can stay engaged with me and I hope that you enjoy at least in some fashion or find valuable. Maybe enjoy is not the right word. I would say I hope that you find valuable the information that I share with you and how I share it. It has been over seven years since I lost my dad and son, oldest son, Reet, to a murder. And even right the second while I'm talking, there is a tightness in my chest. There's an uncomfortable feeling in my chest causing me to pause and think about breathing. So I'm going to stop for just a moment. I'm going to pause here. I shouldn't say stop. I'm going to pause. So with me, would you take a really deep breath with me right now? That always helps a little bit. So I'm going to start with, I love you too, mom. I named it this chapter. I named this title, I Love You Too, Mom, because at the end of the chapter, those are words that we hear from Reet, and they're so meaningful, so meaningful to me and to my heart. And again, as I was considering, how am I, what am I going to talk about today? What, what would be meaningful to discuss with listeners today when I'm producing this podcast and dropping it in August around my birthday, and I became very melancholy about the whole process. And so here we go. So be ready. April 13th, 2014, Palm Sunday. The rays of the morning sun were peeking through the blinds on the windows as I opened the door to Reed's room. On his left side, Facing the back wall of the room, he lay still except for the rise and fall of his ribs. Quietly and slowly, I stepped fully into his room, making my way to the edge of his bed. 
Even sitting myself next to his sleeping body didn't jostle him. Lightly, I began stroking Reed's back, up and down the full length of his torso. The rhythm of his breathing changed as he began to wake. Reed is old enough to set an alarm. He uses his alarm for school days, the type that shakes his bed wildly and makes rapid beeping sounds. His alarm would send me into cardiac arrest from a deep sleep. Today, there was a request. He wanted me to wake him, not a shaking, quaking alarm. Thankfully, as a 14-year-old boy, he welcomed my attention, he requested my assistance, and he was happy to have me in his room. I obliged. Gently waking, he rolls over with a sly smile on his lips. His first words to me are, I love you. Ah, what a great kid. I love him deeply, of course. What a great son I have. I am lucky to be his mom. As he is fully rolled onto his back, I lean in for a hug. Watch out for drool are his next words to me. My head stops parallel to his and hovers over the pillow where the drool must be lying in wait. We chuckle and I remind him of how proud I am of him. He has worked tirelessly for countless hours in preparation for today's audition. He admits to being nervous. You should be, I respond. Today is a big day. Some jitters will keep you focused when you walk on stage. There's nothing wrong with being nervous, even afraid. Quickly, Reed states, I'm not afraid, Mom. Gosh, I am just said I'm nervous. This is when I realized I was pouring too much parenting philosophy on him. We had chosen his outfit weeks prior. His dapper new black suit, crisply pressed, light blue shirt, and brand new purple and blue tie. During our outing at Men's Warehouse weeks before, Reet had also selected a fedora, cool gray with stripes, to wear for this audition. Mixed in with the gray and white stripes was a hint of sky blue, my favorite color. As he made his way to the shower, he tasked me with making his favorite sandwich, turkey, provolone, and pears. Typically not a bounding out of bed or bounding down the stairs type of child, Reet bounded down the stairs with excitement. He looks amazing. I wish I'd taken a photo to capture the moment. He has been working with a vocal teacher for the past several months. Her instructions were for him to warm up his vocal cords early and then again just before his audition. He begins with the me, 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 me's, as I call them. After using his voice to move up and down the scales, Reet begins to sing his audition song while I listen proudly. Today's audition marks Reet's third of the spring season. He's feeling encouraged because he received an acceptance notice from audition number two last week. That acceptance ensures 12 months of performances all over the city with the talented group Starlight Stars. My son is becoming a bona fide performer. I am thrilled for him. Recently, 
Enrolling him in dance lessons provides the opportunity for the trifecta. Singing, acting, dancing. In the music business, they call that the triple threat. He has talent and is seeking more, which our family appreciates and encourages. Last year, Reet landed a role in Damn Yankees at the Theater in the Park. That show was a game changer in terms of his and our devotion level. We have now transitioned from musicals being Reet's personal ventures to them becoming family affairs. His numerous commitments require wheels, and I am the first option driver. I drive him to voice and dance lessons, theater practice, and performances. I attend almost every single one, cherishing each moment I get to watch him on stage. My mom is the second option driver. His roles in musicals are beginning to advance from the smaller parts to the more prestigious ones. He is so excited to begin moving up the ranks. Today, Reed is auditioning for KC Superstar, which is our smaller Kansas City version of American Idol. It is a benefit for the Jewish Community Center in Overland Park, Kansas. Coincidentally, my wealth management firm has been a sponsor of this event since its inception. We are so proud to have our own rising superstar auditioning in 2014. Reet and my mom, lovingly referred to as Yay Yay by the grandkids, chose his main audition song, On the Street Where You Live, from My Fair Lady. Hence, the reason he asked to add the fedora to his audition outfit. In the kitchen, with me as his audience, Reet sang the 32 bars for me. He messed up once, so he started over and finished well. As I was washing the morning dishes, our conversation was light. He said, Mom, did you know I may get to sing a second audition selection today? I didn't know this to be true. I responded, Really? I wasn't aware. What have you selected? He then goes on to tell me that, if given the opportunity to sing a second song during his audition, he has chosen, You're Gonna Miss Me When I'm Gone, also known as the Cups song. With no hesitation, he breaks into the ballad while walking around the kitchen. His gait is easy, his voice is smooth, and I am tearful. The beauty of this scene has never been lost on me. A teenage boy in his comfort zone with his loving mom, watchful and hopeful for his talent to be noticed later in the day. My dad, warmly regarded as Popeye to his grandkids, offers one loud knock on the back door before opening it and walking through our eating area and out the sliding door to our porch. Reet had settled himself in front of the computer for some games and offers Hey, Popeye. Somehow, I am still at the sink and have managed to begin drying the dishes. After placing the final plate in its allocated home inside our cabinet, I drop the towel on the counter and turn to see my father standing on our porch. With his feet in a wide stance and his hands on his hips, he could be signaling offside during a football game. This posture is all dad. Standing firm with confidence in seemingly any situation, his presence is comfortable. Dad is checking out our newly created pool, which stands mostly empty. 
We had inserted a hose early that morning, but the small puddle of water in the deep end tells us we have a long time to wait for a full pool. My father stands at 5'8 and has a belly resembling a small Santa Claus. His haircut is styled in his usual buzz cut. My younger son, Lucas, teases Popeye that his short hair is considered bald. At age 69, Dad's short, typically dark hair has been overtaken by white. His eyes resemble those of Asian descent. When he smiles, they close into tiny slits. Rarely smiling in photos. One of my favorites is when he's laughing so hard his eyes are wet with tears. I have always gathered his reason to be that he would rather his eyes be open for photos than show any teeth. His skin is olive. As usual, he is wearing his khaki pants, a Hawaiian print shirt, and his signature suspenders. Replacing belts with suspenders years ago, they quickly became our favorite Father's Day gift. He does not lack variety in the suspender category because he has them in an assortment of colors and themes. Dad and I stand on the back porch for a few minutes discussing his desire to come back over and check on the water level after Reed's audition. We smile as we ponder swimming laps in our new pool. My dad loves to swim laps and taught all three of his children to swim, me and my older and younger brothers. I'm grateful he passed along his love for swimming. It's a sport I find both strenuous and relaxing. I remember Dad trying other sports. One was an attempt at recreational tennis with my mom. However, it didn't seem to stick like swimming did. Dad and I belonged to the same gym for years, and I often show up while he is mid-mile in the pool. As he is aged, Dad has grown weary of needing to turn his head to the side to breathe, so he has invented a new way which guarantees I can always spot him quickly in the pool. He is, without fail, always the only lap swimmer donning a mask and snorkel. Back in the kitchen, we continue to talk about our future backyard pool as Dad takes a seat at one of our kitchen stools. We have always talked easily. He has a friendly bedside manner for his medical patients and an easygoing personality. He's smart actually very intellectual and a voracious reader, a passion he passed along to read. Dad is knowledgeable about history, psychology, the human body, and parenting. That knowledge base works perfectly for his job as a physician. He graduated medical school from the University of Oklahoma when I was four, my older brother Will was seven, and started practicing when I was five. He passed his board certifications in 1976 when I was eight. Back then, you needed a year called internship to practice. He could have taken residency. These were relatively new in family practice. But we were broke. I always enjoy my conversations with Dad, even if they are challenging. Well, if I'm honest, I don't enjoy the tough ones in the moment, but they tend to have a tremendous impact on my life. Our conversation that morning is purely chit-chat and logistics. We discuss family and schedules. It is a divide-and-conquer morning for my immediate and extended families. Mom has gone with my sister-in-law, Dana, and her two kids to take pictures with the Easter Bunny. 
My husband, Lynn, and I are heading to our son Lucas's lacrosse game, and Dad is assigned the task of taking Reed to his audition. The evening prior, around our dinner table, I discovered that Lucas wore a sad face when I announced I would be driving Reed to his audition. Their activities were to begin only 30 minutes apart. His big brother, seeing this sad face, offered me permission to go to Lucas's lacrosse game and asked his yay to drive him to his audition. Announcing her schedule with the Easter Bunny photos now placed all eyes on Popeye. He happily obliged to be selected as Reet's driver for the day. They adore one another. Dad and I talk through expectations of the afternoon. He understands that after Reet's audition, he is to return Reet to our home. Particularly happy about his assignment for the day, Dad mentions that he will check on the water level of the pool later this afternoon. We are all excited about the pool. Perhaps Dad, more than I, had ever realized. My parents left a full-sized lap pool on their 40 acres when they made the move from Oklahoma to Kansas to be near us. We all planned to meet at 5 p.m. for the evening church service. We will celebrate Palm Sunday together and then have an extended family dinner at a Chinese restaurant. For a moment, I consider if Jesus cares what we eat on Palm Sunday. It is my younger brother Tony's birthday the following day, and my mom still insists on family birthday celebrations, even for the adults. Our conversation has moved from logistics to my workload when Reet gets my attention. You're going to be late for Lucas's game. Ugh, the lacrosse game. Glancing at the clock on the microwave and back again at Dad, I say, You got this? I got this, he responds. Now, with a quickness in my step and a small amount of anxiety about leaving my dad to oversee the final and likely most important audition for Reet, I gather my purse and keys. Before walking out the back door to our garage, I stop and take in Reet. The right side of his body is closest to me as he faces the computer monitor, clicking away at the keyboard. With part haste and part trepidation, I lean over enough to plant a kiss on his right cheek. Good luck today, I love you. The words leave my mouth without my mind truly considering the depth to which I mean them. I do mean them. I mean them every day. A few steps back and again headed for the garage door, I hear. Reed's loving reply to me in his confident, I know you are anxious, but I have this kind of way. I love you too, Mom. And that's why I titled the chapter, I Love You Too, Mom. Those words were the final words that I heard my son say. Not only that moment, not only that day, but forever. Now, I hear from Reet, but I hear it in a whisper. I hear it maybe in my heart or in my brain, but I hear it in a whisper. For months in the same household, I would put uh, Lucas to bed or, or go check on him once he was in bed, and as I would walk past Reet's room, I would say to myself, I love you too, Reet. And I would hear back, I love you too, Mom. And I know it wasn't a real voice speaking to me. 
I know it was me conjuring up him saying those words to me. But again, I've mentioned this so many times, that yellow butterfly finds me when I need it. And to me, the yellow butterfly represents Reet. Do you have something that represents someone who you've lost? Is there someone in heaven that is communicating with you and you know it? Is there someone in heaven that might be communicating with you and you don't realize it? A friend of mine, Betsy, I, if I remember correctly, her grandmother leaves her dimes. She finds dimes in the most interesting place. Another friend of mine sometimes finds pennies. I just think it's really amazing when we pay attention to messages that reach us. I know that Reet reaches me either when I need it or when he wants to reach me. Sometimes I feel like he reaches me when I wasn't even asking, which I'm very grateful for. So as I'm being melancholy, thinking about my birthday, I'm thinking about everyone else and when they have a birthday. I'm thinking about you when you have a birthday. And it might be filled with joy, and it might be filled with happiness, and it might have some sorrow sprinkled around it. If it happens to be the opposite, if your birthday happens to be filled with sorrow, and has joy sprinkled on it or around it, take it all in. Because learning that joy and sorrow can go hand in hand has been a significant part of my own personal journey. Friends, thank you for listening. Thanks for taking part in Healing a Shattered Soul as I read it. Thank you for taking part in Real Grief, Real Healing with Mindy Corcoran. If you find this of interest, if you find this of value to you or perhaps a family member or a friend, you can buy my memoir via Amazon.com. You can go straight to my publisher, Front Edge Publishing. You can click my website, MindyCorporan.com, and find my memoir with videos to share how I explain to you what it means to heal and be in the healing process of a shattered soul. Thank you, friends. Have a wonderful day. Thank you for listening to Real Grief, Real Healing here on the Experience of the Soul podcast channel. This channel is made possible because of listeners just like you. If you would like to support the channel with your tax-deductible contribution on an ongoing basis or through a one-time gift, head over to experienceofthesoul.com support. Real Grief, Real Healing is copyright 2021, Mindy Corcoran, all rights reserved. Our theme music is composed by Dave Croft and used with permission. The Experience of the Soul podcast channel is a production of 818 Studios.